This is the 318 Podcast, Episode 5. If you have a voice, speak up for the voiceless. If you live to serve others, serve with the cheerfulness that shines through the storm. If you have the gift of building up, begin to build his kingdom on earth. If you have the gift of tearing down, bring the enemy down one brick at a time. If you have the gift of leadership, lead his people back to him. If you have the gift of guidance, show the world his way. If you have more love to give, then find the unloved and shower them. If you have the gift of tongue, then use your words to bring nations together. Speak up for the voiceless. Welcome back to the 31A Podcast, where we talk with people from around the community that are tirelessly working for the voiceless. I'm your host, Jennifer Bates. Today we have with us Mary Beth Conley and Rick Woodall from Flip My Life in the studio. Welcome. Thank, Thank you. you. It's how, good to see you. How are y'all today? We are excited. <laughs> <laughs> I had I had multiple cups of tea, so oh, so we're very <laughs> we're excited. caffeinated. <laughs> we're right. out of the rain. It's nice and warm in here. We're there fine. you go. There you go. That's beautiful. Yes, it is a nice little vibe mm-hmm. we got going on in here. Just very yeah, laid back, very and chill. laid back, relaxed. Okay. Um, so I like to start with like a little question that kind of gets you out of your comfort zone, maybe in your comfort zone. Honey, we have know, no we'll comfort see. zone. Yeah. All right. Well, we, let's go. We blew away the comfort zone years <laughs> ago. It, we cross every line. There you go. <laughs> All right. Well, here we go then. So tell me, what was your first job and what did you have oh. to do during that job? Wow. Okay, Rick, you go first because you started much earlier than I. My first job, and I've been working ever since, was nine years old. My dad wow. was in the Navy. Okay. And my older brother and I, we mowed yards. Okay. For 50 cents a yard. 50 cents with a, a yard. With the old-fashioned, non-motorized push mower. Ooh. And you worked of course, hard the for yards, that 50 cents. This was, naval <laughs> ha- yeah, this was naval housing. Okay. But we were able to do that and save enough money to get us a two-and-a-half horsepower lawnmower. Wow. So, but from that point on, uh, newspaper, route carrier. Okay. And just worked the rest. So from nine years old, I've been working all my life. You go, boy. Wow. <laughs> That's amazing. I was uh, 16, so I was pampered, I guess. Okay. <laughs> you, got, um, you got a few extra years. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I was a salad girl at Western Sizzlin' Steakhouse. And my a job. salad girl. Yeah. And you know what? <laughs> I... Um, it's funny because efficiency is my thing. I love to figure out quicker, more efficient mm-hmm. ways to do things. Okay. And that job was perfect for me because I, it was one of those where I had a set amount of work that I had to do. I had to prepare all the onion rings for the entire day and evening, hmm. all the salad for the, all the vegetables for the salad bar. I got to work on my own. Okay. Um, and I could come in whenever. And leave whenever I was done. So it was all up to, yeah, it was all up to how quickly I could streamline the processes. Okay. And I didn't realize it at the time. I just really enjoyed that, Mm -hmm. even though I was completely alone. Hmm. I didn't have any any co-workers with me. So you would think a 16-year-old wouldn't wouldn't enjoy that. But I was constantly finding ways to streamline it so I could get out a little earlier there you go and to this day i love that i think i should have been an efficiency expert actually (laughs) 
Do they have that? Is that a, is that a I career? Don't know. They, you know, you, remember the, you probably don't remember the book or movie, Cheaper by the Dozen. Oh, yes. Oh, well, he Love was that. an efficiency expert. Really? I, uh, I don't know if they still have it. But that's probably she's what trying I to get done. a job as a trainer. She's practicing on me. Okay, like a life coach. <laughs> yes. There you go. I, I have stream, I've streamlined some of his processes in okay. our, our short marriage so far. <laughs> there yes. you go. Anyway, there you go. So I'll answer the question too. Um, my first job, I was also 16 years old. Um, I got a little bit of break. Um, however, the reason I got the job was because I got pregnant. Uh, and so I needed money. So you had two, yeah. you had two well, jobs. Well, that's a good reason. Uh, <laughs> Mama um, and worker. Exactly, exactly. But um, so my first job, I don't know if anybody remembers this. I don't even know if it was in Memphis or if it was just an Atlanta thing. Um, but Pizza Hut had um, streamlined their ordering over the phone process. Oh. And so they had a call center. Oh. So I worked oh. at the call center. So I would take your Pizza Hut orders um, and then route it to the... Pizza Hut that was closest to you for them to, you know, this was before they online have, ordering and before delivery. And they still have for delivery. That up in Knoxville. Okay. Yes, do they, they really? They do. Yes. Okay, yeah, they closed quickly. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. once the iPhone and everything came out, and you can start doing mm-hmm. everything online. Then you know, the call centers they didn't need anymore. A Pizza um, Hut call center that is but not that's something what I I've did. ever heard yes. of. I, most people hadn't, amazingly yeah. so. But yeah, that was my first job. So. <laughs> it was, just sitting and talking on the phone. If that's not the best thing for a teenage girl, I don't know what else is. You know, it's like, yes, I, I can do this. I that by, mm-hmm. I would order a pizza uh-huh. and I thought I'd go pick it up. So I thought I'd be talking to the same person. And no. I'd say, you know, and me, we I'm a phone. talker. So, you know me, we were talking. How they you were doing? Best I don't know who you are. Like, <laughs> never heard your voice yes. before. <laughs> I learned that. Yeah, that's cool. Well, there you go. That's very awesome. All right. So. Let's get to it. So Flip My Life. Flip My Life is your new baby. Um, For those that don't know. what a baby. What a baby. She is. What a baby. Mm -hmm. So uh, Mary Beth has retired from the news. How long were you there? How long did you do Well, 37 years at Channel 3 in Memphis and then... um, a, a few years in at the CBS affiliate in Knoxville, which wow. is where um, I started. Okay. So 40 years in the business. Wow. Ooh, you go, girl. I know. You I must good. have started when I was two. You did, because you look good. <laughs> I know y'all can't see her um, through the through the podcast platform that you're listening, but trust me, she looks good. <laughs> um, but you are newly married, yes. newly remarried to Mr. Yes. Rick over here. My eighth grade crush. Aww. And my eighth grade crush. Aww. We met on the first day of eighth grade in 1972, and we actually married on the 50th anniversary of that date. Wow. Is that not crazy? That He's a is slow ama- worker. I, I think I just got chills. <laughs> That's amazing. I believe there was someone else at that wedding. I, yeah, I, I believe, believe so. I believe so. I think I we was there. We know it was a fun wedding. It was an amazing wedding. It was great. It was perfect. It was chill. That's how we it in was the backyard. Everybody was, was smiling and having a great time. It was, yeah. We had, my husband and I had a great time while we were there. We did. We thoroughly enjoyed it. It was like, this is the best. Oh, I could tell. As big as your smile was, I could tell. It's (laughs) funny. um, We knew we were getting married within 10 days of reconnecting wow. it was an instant we we bought the house that we we now live in and, and where we got married in 2018 five okay. weeks after first reconnecting and we wow. hadn't talked to each other for 46 years prior but it was just uh, crazy i believe we were always meant to be together but we had paths 
<clears throat> paths that we had to go down to prepare us for what God wanted us to do. There you go. Yeah, we, we talk about it a lot because it's like, just what if, mm-hmm. eighth grade, if she just smiled a little more at the mm-hmm. pool and I was, flirted. I was shy. But <laughs> we wouldn't have our children. Right. Right. We right. wouldn't have had, she would not have been in, we mm-hmm. know. I would not have stayed in television. Right. Mm-hmm. I tried to get out of television. I not even entered television. Early in my career. Wow. We would have had 10 wow. kids. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. I, you know, so yeah. we don't, it would have changed completely from what we are doing now, All which right. I won't say, but let Mary yeah. Beth explain that. But we know, we have to say God had to have a hand in that to mm-hmm. keep us apart to yeah. get us back together later. Yeah. It's funny how hindsight is twenty twenty. You can look it's back amazing. on your journey and go, oh, wow. There was a reason. Because there is no <laughs> doubt that um, my I always call my television career an accidental career. Really? I, yeah, I the did not. The 40-year accidental 40 career. 40-year accidental <laughs> career. And I see now that there were doors opened that I thought I was just lucky. Hmm. I did not study broadcasting. I okay. do not have a broadcasting degree. I never... W- I never watched the news. Huh. <laughs> I was, I had no interest in being in TV behind the scenes or certainly not in front of the camera. I was huh. very much an introvert. I'd, but I, <clears throat> I graduated in 1982 from college and there was a big recession then. Hmm. So uh, jobs were scarce. And I happened to get my first job as a sales secretary at the CBS affiliate in Knoxville. Okay. A friend of mine, uh, got got me that job. I was the worst sales secretary <laughs> in the history of sales secretaries. I still can't okay. fill out forms. Oh I goodness. did not know how to type. Okay. I, it was, but they liked me. I had, you know, I was fun. There you go. <laughs> so they put up with me, but, uh, but about three months and I hated it, but I had to have a job. Hmm. Um, so about three months in, because the economy was so bad, the station decided to do a telethon that would connect people who needed jobs with companies that had jobs. They called okay. it a jobathon. Okay. Well, the secret in television is that no matter what the cause is, people in television hate telethons. <laughs> they are not what we call good TV. Gotcha. <laughs> so when the program director asked someone to produce it, Nobody, Nobody wanted, wanted to do it. <laughs> and I was so desperate to stop being a sales secretary, I raised my hand and I said, I'll do it. I had no idea how to produce anything. <laughs> but they didn't know that, I guess. So they let me produce it. Wow. I was, oh my God. There were even, and this may be a little inside baseball, but they they wanted to do these five minute profiles of of people without jobs mm-hmm. um, for a couple of weeks prior to the jobathon in order to promote it. Right? Okay. Well, they gave me that task too. Okay. So I went out and interviewed people. And then, you know how if you're watching a news story, uh, sometimes they will have an interview with someone and then they'll cover it with video. Mm-hmm. It's That's to cover an edit in the, uh, oh, okay. in the soundbite. Okay. <clears throat> I didn't know about, that's called B-roll. <laughs> Well, I didn't know B-roll was a thing. Okay. So I edited. I also taught myself how to edit. And and the first one aired, and it had what's called jump cuts all throughout it, where I edited the person's interview and the face jumped, because I didn't know you were supposed to cover that with video. And and the the news anchor came to me after and said, has anyone ever told you about (laughs) B-roll? I mean, that's how bad, that's how inept I was at this job. But the Jobathon 
the viewership was so high that they extended it that night from two hours to four hours. Wow. And at the end of it, the anchors wanted to bring me out because I was the one who had created it. And I ran and hid in a janitor's closet. <laughs> I did not want to be on TV. But that's how I started in and television. And then 40 years later. And I, uh, you are it the was face a fun job. Well, I, it was always fun. I was, it was a very, I was good at it hmm. mysteriously because I never prepared. Yeah. I just did it. And hmm. I, but I tried to resign several times. It wasn't that I hated it, but I wanted to be at home with my children. Hmm. And it's not a particularly family friendly yeah. uh, environment. Um, but every time I'd resign, they would offer me some deal. And so really for the last 25 years of my career, I worked from home except for the hour I was on TV. Okay. And then I would go home. No one at the station could figure out why I had such a good deal. And <laughs> I just thought I was lucky. Right. Looking back on it now, I realized that God needed to keep me in TV. Okay. And that and it's that's all the him. way he got to do it. All right. Because Dave. Flip My Life is going to be a... a web show great segue so tell me <laughs> tell me about flip my life <laughs> flip my life is uh what we are doing is we are renovating houses abandoned houses blighted houses in memphis okay for people who are returning from prison okay to give them a safe and dignified launching pad uh, as they work their way back to uh, productivity and positivity okay. or maybe work their way toward that for the first time in their lives. Hmm. Um, basically, they all the returning citizens are vetted through programs that provide job skills training, life skills training. You know, okay. there's conflict oh, management yeah. skills that you and I got mm -hmm. from our parents right. that many people, for whatever reason, are not born into families um, that provide that kind of base yeah. and it's through no fault of their own mm -mm. so those those gaps have to be filled and if someone who has fulfilled the uh, requirements of a sentence mm -hmm. and wants to do better wants mm -hmm. to redeem their lives wants to be productive and positive we feel like society should give them every chance absolutely everybody deserves a second chance everybody. i mean we're all redeemed instead or of all the strikes fourth, you know because... keeping putting strikes against someone yeah which they do now mm -hmm. you know once you're a felon it is so hard to get that off hmm. right. and not show right wow. i mean if you don't put it down you can lose your job later or mm -hmm. it's just I shouldn't be there. All the loopholes, all yes. the little ins and outs. That, well, and even yeah. to have a place to live, you have to check a box. Yeah. And, mm. you know, there are many of us who have done wrong things and not been caught. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> which, which and, yeah, the prison you know, guards will like to tell you that all the time. Right. Wow. right. <laughs> wow. So it's just, it's about giving giving someone a second chance but we can't take credit for it jen it was not our idea okay at all wasn't mine um it wasn't rick's <laughs> idea the the way it came about we know it's it was god's concept hmm. from the beginning it there is god's go. concept and uh we are literally just walking it out taking yeah. the next step it there are times when it's it's hard hmm. fundraising is Harder than I ever thought. I'm wow. not very good at it. Wow. You know that being in the nonprofit world. Oh, amen. <laughs> um, but because we, because of how it came about, we know it is his project, not ours. Okay. 
And thus, I kind of have a sense of anticipation hmm. rather than anxiety because I, I, there have been times in my faith journey when he reached so directly down into my life. It's so hmm. breathtakingly awesome when wow. that happens yeah. that I can't wait to see how he is going to finish bringing my life to fruition. Wow. This is um, the part where she says he brought me into her life. I okay. think this is. Oh, okay. I think that's where we're going. Go ahead, Mary Beth. Long story Tell short, me about poor, Rick doesn't get, poor, Rick, poor Rick doesn't get to talk very much. But this is and the most. Fine. It's the most awesome God story ever. Yeah. And I, uh, I spent five years. I was in television, of course, doing news, but I also had a radio show. Okay. And uh, every Friday was Faith Friday, okay. and it featured one guest telling his or her faith journey story. I love it. I love it. It fed my own faith journey, and there it was the best thing. And I love those stories. Mm -hmm. I call them God bumps. Okay. okay. God bumps. I love it. <laughs> so long story short, um, <clears throat> I married in 1985 and moved here to Memphis and uh, uh, had four kids and had what uh, what appeared even to me, it, it was a very stable marriage very you know uh, my my former husband is a is a very good person he okay he's a good father good uh, but we had some real challenges with one of our children and um we we learned through that that we were not uh a unified mm. force okay um so long story short beginning in about 2003 my life got very difficult because uh one of my children was extraordinarily abusive to me mm. and my husband unfortunately he was abusive to the whole family unfortunately and my husband was an enabler mm. um, and that comes from his own background mm. uh, so it wasn't his fault but I didn't see it for what it was I thought the only thing I ever wanted to be in my whole life was a good mother mm. and I was failing at that mm. um, and I blamed my TV career for my emotional exhaustion mm. because remember I never wanted to do it right. um, and when you are in the public eye you never get a chance to you're, even in the grocery store um, you're always pretending hmm. oh yeah you know oh yeah well I mean if you love it you're not pretending and I, right. and I but I was uh, I was emotionally exhausted. I never I had two daily shows. I never had time to really think about what was really going on. The real problem was between my husband and I. Mm. We we uh, it, but I didn't recognize that. Right. Um, I so anyway, that's what led me to God in okay. two thousand nine. I just was emotionally exhausted, and I yeah. wanted so desperately out of television because I thought that would fix my problem. Because then course. I wouldn't have to pretend, which is just idiotic. Right? I mean, we all, uh, because yeah. that was not the problem. I understand. I understand. Yeah. Long story short, what God did, um, He reached back in the most astonishing. I uh, call it my sit walk stand moment. Very briefly, I was on a plane about three weeks after I began getting up every morning and trying to find my way to God mm -hmm. by reading the Bible, okay. which I started on page one. Oh. Stupid, right? Bless you. So I'm, uh, three weeks <laughs> later, you. I'm caught in numbers. Oh, bless you. Bless <laughs> God hadn't you. told me a thing, and I was mm -hmm. not happy. Mm -hmm. 
<laughs> I had a quick trip to Knoxville by myself. I was so happy with this one hour where I didn't have any viewers and I didn't have any children and I didn't have any. And no I, mask. The, the mask could come uh, off. Right. My mask could come off. She I had my novel in my hand. <laughs> the man in the middle seat was talking to me and I'm thinking, don't talk to him. You have one hour. <laughs> And it turned out he was a pastor from Rhode Island. His name was Steve. And I would give anything to have his contact information. So I would love to tell him the part he played. Wow. But he told me he was an itinerant pastor who went from congregation to congregation, helping them get into the word. Wow. And I said, I'm trying to do that, and it's not working. <laughs> and in this hour-long conversation, he told me to get a book called Sit, Walk, Stand. Sit, Walk, Stand. And it's by okay. Watchman Nee, who is a, was a Chinese dissident in prison for being a Christian, and he wrote this book. And he said, okay. that will take you into Ephesians, and from there God will show you where to wow. go. Because he said, you're supposed to start reading it in the New Testament, okay. which is the middle of the book. Who does that, right? right? Who starts in the middle? Right? <laughs> So I wrote Sit, Walk, Stand Down, and I get to Knoxville, and I have an, an acquaintance there. I did not know her well. She knew nothing about my life. I'm not a let's go to lunch person, <laughs> right. especially at that point in my life when I was so emotionally yeah, exhausted. Yes. But I called her up and said, let's go to lunch. We're sitting at Panera Bread, waiting for our food, just chit-chat, the weather, you know, that sort of thing. And she reaches out, says, oh, my gosh, I almost forgot when we leave here, would you mind following me to Cedar Bluff Bookstore? Because the other day I was online buying some books, and God told me to buy you this book. It's called Sit, Walk, Stand. <gasps> Have you ever heard of it? <laughs> Chills. Chills. Oh, yeah, yeah. Just, okay. I Wow. I, I still get chills. I can't. I That was the first time I knew that not only God was real, but that he cared, he cared. about me, hmm. my stupid little problems that are were so much smaller than what so many people go through, were important enough to him. Hmm. And that began my faith journey. And there were several other, over the next few years, several other encounters like that, that that hour and a half in the morning that I had with him was the only way I got through hmm. the rest of my day. Yes. And I became addicted hmm. to that. And in 2015, I was still trying to get out of television. I was still completely blind to what my real problems were. But I said to him, I... I just want the peace mm. that I have in this time with you. So I will do whatever you want me to do. Mm. Just show me. Yeah. Please don't make it TV. <laughs> I did. I said right. that. Please. <laughs> um, when I pray, it's like more like a conversation. It's like, uh, okay. come on, man. Well, that's what it's supposed to be. There you go. <laughs> but okay. see, I grew up in a very structured denomination. Gotcha. And it, that mm -hmm. wasn't the way it was mm -hmm. in my, you know. Right frame of reference so anyway that was september of 2015 and in my prayer journal about two weeks later i found myself writing the words flip my life mm -hmm. and it, i was developing a television show where we would take abandoned memphis houses and renovate them for people trapped in generational poverty huh. 
Okay. I was very specific, and I'm writing it down. I'm like, but I don't want to do TV. Remember? <laughs> this whole thing is about me but getting I'm out of TV. But I'm actually making this whole TV plan, but I don't <laughs> right. want to do TV. Right. Yeah, I'm like, you're not um, listening. <laughs> but I was a home uh, DIY. I okay. do love DIY, and okay. I was like, no, you know, remember that whole part about I don't want to do TV, but I'll do whatever you want me to do, but just please don't make it be TV. <laughs> so I argued with I, for she three can years. Argue too. I did. I, and I about every that. six months, it would come back in my prayer time, flip my life, and I'd be like, no, 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 something's wrong with that show idea. No, and I, I don't want to do to you. No. <laughs> the end of February 2018, it came roaring back. And remember, I by this time in my journey, I'd been on my journey, what, for 15 years. So I knew, I believe that sit, walk, stand moment was him introducing himself to me mm. and saying, I am really here. Mm. And over time, I became familiar with his voice and how he mm. speaks. I believe he speaks to each of us oh, yeah. in a very unique way. I agree. That we recognize. But I yeah. wasn't at that point earlier. So he had yeah. to slap me upside the head, right? <laughs> like, yo. I'm here. I'm here. I'm real. <laughs> right. Um, by 2018, it was much more, I just knew encounters were him it was weird mm. it's like a feeling and this was a clanging presence in my head mm -hmm. and it said it's time to get started on flip my life but mm. the houses are not supposed to go to people trapped in generational poverty the okay. houses need to be renovated for people returning to memphis from prison wow i'm writing it down because i when i would i i'm a journaler mm -hmm. i'm like what that's not my thing right <laughs> <laughs> generational poverty is much more my thing right but you know i've come to realize that it's all tied together yep. so much of the generational curse is tied to mm -hmm. incarceration so mm -hmm. it really is the same it thing but he was very together. specific and i was like i don't get it <laughs> but the the presence would not go away every morning for a couple it was pounding in my head and mm -hmm. i where before I felt like, uh, eh, something's wrong with that show idea. It fit. Hmm. It just, I was like, wow, that is really a great concept for a show. I still hmm. don't want to do TV. <laughs> so then my argument became, I have no money. Hmm. I don't know how to produce a television show. It is very different being a news reporter, a news anchor, mm -hmm. and producing a TV show, right? I can imagine. So I'm like... I have no money. I have no contacts, which I know sounds weird because I'd been in the industry for so long. Right. But I never wanted to be in, so I never networked. Oh. I, mm -mm. Mm -hmm. wow. I don't know how to do this. No, I can't do this. It would not go away. So mm -hmm. finally, after a couple of weeks of that, I said, okay, fine. Here's the thing. The first thing to do is to shoot a pilot. And I can figure out the production side of that. I can figure out the story. I have, I have friends who who are videographers, they'll do this for free. Okay. We'll shoot a little pilot, but I need a contractor with whom I have chemistry mm. who would care about the issue of reentry enough to do this for free mm. because I can't pay. Right. And on-air chemistry is not something you can fake. No, it no. is there oh, or no. it is Use, not. Yes. So that's, that's what, what I said. That's what makes or breaks a show. That's right. <laughs> contractor with whom I have chemistry who would care about the issue of reentry. Okay. 
Now, how so, many of those do you think they're running around in huh, Memphis? I don't know. That a you have lot. chemistry with, though? Yeah, because, hmm. see, I'd anchored with about 85 different people okay. over my career. Okay, wow. 85 might be slightly. <laughs> I, I, I have never not Quite had chemistry with okay. anybody on air because, remember, I'm the one who didn't really care about being there. Right. So me on TV is just me, and I get yeah. along with people. So yeah. I've chemistry with me is not that okay. challenging, Okay, to be perfectly honest. But I had to be a contractor who cared about reentry. This was uh, early March of 2018. And um, on Memorial Day weekend 2018, my brothers and sisters, I'm one of six, okay. were all going to our tiny little hometown of Mascot, Tennessee, okay. in East Tennessee. It was a mining town to our old family home for a weekend reunion. Okay. I did not want to go. <laughs> My family is a very loud Irish Catholic family, and we, I was so, I was at a bad place in my life, mm, remember? I, yeah. It was one more weekend I was going to have to pretend. Yeah. Usually the weekends were time where I could take that mask off, because mm -hmm. I hadn't told my family any of my challenges. Mm -hmm. I felt so awful that I was such a bad mother, mm. which I wasn't. You but weren't, not at all. I thought I was. I, I understand. So we go... To the weekend and my 14 year old daughter and i take a walk around my old neighborhood mm -hmm. and we get to the last house on the street and i say i used to have a big crush on a boy who lived there hmm, hmm. who's that who is that boy <laughs> who would that boy be? i think <laughs> i might know someone in that neighborhood <laughs> i don't even remember that i said his name but apparently mm -hmm. i did because yeah. the next day we were driving somewhere and my daughter says from the back seat I found him, and he's so old. <laughs> Not a boy now, anymore. Now, yeah, she, now remember, she's looking for a 13-year-old. I right, think she right. was looking for a teenage boy. Right. And I said, what are you talking about? And, because we had not had any more of a conversation about this. Right. I said, what are you talking about? And she handed me her phone, and it was Rick Woodall's Facebook page. Aww. And I... I looked at it. I did not hear any birds singing. I did not hear any bells ringing. <laughs> the fairy tales weren't just... No. I, <laughs> okay. I first tried to figure out, is that him? Because, of course, uh, 46 been, years had gone by. Change a little bit. Change a little mm -hmm. bit. He shaves his head now. Well, he had hair as a 13-year-old. Sporting no hair and a little goatee. And, yeah. And, um, okay. It's, you didn't it's, have that in eighth grade? <laughs> the whole goatee thing? Uh, no. <laughs> Sure. You know, in eighth grade, if you had a goatee, you, there's something wrong. Yeah. Now, in our little town, there were several there were uh, students who yes. were like 15, 16, 17 in the eighth grade. Um, well, it was yes. one of those towns. That was, but that was not you. Not that me. was not you. He okay. was 5'2", and his voice probably hadn't changed. I still had, my dad was, at the time we moved down, was in the Navy as a recruiter. So okay. I'd been a Navy brat all my life. Okay. So I still had short hair, mm -hmm. you know. He was I, very neat. I looked very prepubescent in eighth he, grade. He did. He was <laughs> okay. a buttoned down, very, very starched individual in our okay. little school. And uh, trust me, it was it was the Appalachia at its best. So anyway, um, I what got me... I did not friend him on Facebook, which is weird because we had not dated and we had been friends, Just neighborhood with, friends through mm -hmm. high school. We always had gotten along, except that I, whenever we were one-on-one, -on -one, we used to play cards at the neighborhood yeah, pool. Our, with community, our, our, our little community was the mine managers, the upper class. Our little okay. neighborhood, yeah. Her dad was an engineer for the mine's geology. Okay. And my dad moved in as a 
Navy man, which was a no-no. But anyway, there's only like 12 <laughs> houses. Yeah. Okay. And they had their own pool, their own basketball court. Wow. It was called Society Hill. Yeah, mm. well, just for these 12 just houses. Just for these 12 wow. houses. Okay. We would so play cards. We lived there as an outsider, but we'd see each other at the pool. We'd talk. Mm. We'd play cards. Because there were very few kids right. our age. There was only about mm. four families at the time with kids that were... Your age. Our okay. age. So we, we got along great. His brother and my sister and I, uh, the four of us, would play cards for hours. But if we were ever one-on-one, oh, she my gosh, I'd clam up, put my head in the book. I, could, <laughs> I would not talk to him. And I thought she was very – I was like, this is the smartest person hmm. I've ever met because she was always reading. And I, I loved to read. But I was. But that's a lot. I was sophisticated. <laughs> she acted like she was. She'd walk around with an air about her and oh, carry her book. So okay. I thought – She's way above my pay grade or my whatever. <laughs> right. And I let's understand. be honest, honey. <laughs> I was. <laughs> no. I anyway, <laughs> so we were friends. So it would have been so logical for me to friend him and say, Rick, how are you? Right. right. But I did not. Hmm. What I did, his profile picture and his cover picture featured him on a motorcycle. Mm-hmm. And I have. I had certain stereotypes in my Everybody mind about does. guys <laughs> with Harleys, yeah. which is not fair, but it was. But. <laughs> and he's a middle-aged white guy um, from an area of the country without much diversity. And keep in okay. mind, I've lived in Memphis for, by this time, three decades. Right. And um, and yet, in both pictures, he was holding this tiny little black girl. Hmm. And if you remember back to 2018, it was when the very loud white nationalist voices were. Mm. Oh. And I know they've always been there, but they they were seemingly accepted and promoted at that time. And yes. I was, I was, that broke my heart. Mm. So that was the atmosphere at which I looked at this guy, he's a middle-aged white guy mm-hmm. on a motorcycle <laughs> from an area of the country where there's not all, a whole lot of diversity. And I'm, exactly. In my head, I'm thinking he should be this way. Mm-hmm. Why does he love that little girl? Hmm. And it was curiosity that drove me uh, several times through the summer just to look at his page and try to figure out who the little girl was to him. Hmm. And because we had, I had not friended him, I couldn't see everything. I couldn't figure it out because hmm. I didn't know anything about his life. I didn't know his children's names. I didn't. You know. mm-hmm. So uh, we got close to the Charlottesville anniversary, mm-hmm. the riot and. Charlottesville, Mm -hmm. and I couldn't stand anymore. My curiosity got Mm -hmm. the better of me. So I messaged him thinking, since we're not Facebook friends, he might not see the message. And if he doesn't, that's okay. I'm I'm not meant to know. All I said was, hey, Rick, I was a mascot recently and just wondered how you were. My plan as this reporter was to work (laughs) up a friendly conversation and work my way around to who the heck is this little girl? Why do you love her? Right. Well, in his message back to me, um, he told me I always had the biggest crush on you. Aww, and you I were... lost my sh- oh, Can I were... say that? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sitting there. He's working his magic already. <laughs> it's <was> crazy. <laughs> I, um, there was a memory that I've carried with me my whole life in 1978 when I opened up the newspaper on my job. I was on break and I saw his engagement picture. Mm. And my heart sunk. Mm. Uh, I was 19 years old. I hadn't seen each other for a couple of years. I don't know whether I still thought I had a shot. but Mm. 
And in that moment when I, as a 59-year-old, read, I always had the biggest crush on you. My heart did the exact path in reverse. And I sat there (laughs) saying to myself, you are insane. You don't know this person. You've not seen this person for decades. You have a family. You're not 13 anymore. (laughs) But, but he, you felt 13 I in felt that 13. moment. I felt like I'd been passed a note in, in homeroom. There you go. <laughs> and um, he said to me in the in the text conversation, because I said, oh, my God, you did not. I had a crush on you. So we, <laughs> we talked a bit back and forth. And he said, I don't like to type. So I don't. here's I my phone number. Okay. Or typing. <laughs> so um, just call me sometime and let's catch up. So the next morning, I said, oh, okay, sure. The next morning, 5 a.m., <laughs> Did you that call him at 5 a.m.? 5 a.m. Oh, hello. Did you answer at 5 a.m.? Oh, well, yeah, I'm always up. Remember, wow. he was in Knoxville, so that's a 6 a.m. Oh, there. So it was okay. legit. So, yeah, yeah, there you go. But I'm like real casual. Oh, sure, I'll call you sometime. Next morning, instead of talking to God for an hour and a half, I called Rick. Okay. And uh, we talked <laughs> for three hours. three hours. Wow. And that day... Uh, I was walking on air. I cannot, I did, I literally did not recognize the feeling of joy Hmm. for what it was. I had been so miserable for so long. And I, I remember calling a friend and saying, I am in so much trouble (laughs) because while my husband and I had, we had talked about separating for about a year, we were working on it. I was still Hmm. married and Hmm. I, and, um, marriage is very sacred to me. Okay. But I did not feel guilty. I just felt like, oh my gosh, I am so happy to have reconnected with this person. So we talked every morning and um, and on about day three, we were just catching up on the past 46 years. Day three, he says, I have to see you. And I'm like, that's not a good idea. Right. Somebody's going to get hurt. He mm-hmm. said, I don't care. I have to see you. So we met in Nashville and had coffee for 12 hours in the lobby of so, the Opryland Hotel. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, fortunately, the Opryland Hotel keeps Opryland the lobby Hotel's open beautiful. Oh, they got the gardens and everything. So okay. we were sitting in the garden. And, of course, someone wanted to recognize Mary Beth from Memphis. Wow. Oh, can we take your picture of course. with you? And she's like, oh, my God. But, you know, I never felt, I, I rec- and I have fully, I own it. Um, I was committing emotional infidelity com- completely. Mm. I did not feel any guilt. I did not feel it was wrong. I can't explain that because um, I was raised on guilt. Mm. But it was just, we were in a bubble of time. It was just a, I just felt joy. Mm-hmm. We did not talk about the future. We Well, Rick told me. I told her the very first, when I saw her, we met outside Opryland Hotel parking lot or whatever, and okay. we drove over to it because it's a huge complex okay. in Nashville. And I saw her. I saw her get out of the car, and I went, oh, my God. Now, the little backstory is three months earlier, before she had texted me, Mm-hmm. I'd not been dating anybody pretty much in 10 years, okay. 11 years. Didn't want to, didn't care. Okay. But I was to the point in my life that I wanted to move on with my life and either buy a house or redo a house for myself. Okay. Didn't want to do it unless I was going to do it with someone married 
that I could build a house with mm-hmm. or myself that I didn't have to wear and I was never going to be married. Okay. okay so I'm, there you go. And my faith in God was very low at the time, mm-hmm. although I looking back, I realized he helped me out in so many ways I didn't know it. But mm-hmm. I was like, I finally made one final prayer. God, you've never answered anything before, but mm-hmm. do this. Mm-hmm. Either put a woman in my life or show me that there's not going to be a woman in my life so I can move on with mine and do my house. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was within weeks that she got in touch with me. Wow. And it was like, oh, my gosh. Now, I didn't realize it at the time, but when I met her in Nashville, mm-hmm. she got out of her car. She had on that nice little outfit and <laughs> that little walk. And oh, toes no. are pointed straight as they're walking Here to me. I go. went, oh, my God, this is it. Hmm. I'll either be with her, and I told her this, mm-hmm. and it wasn't just a line, okay, but it was like, <laughs> I'll either be with you or I'll never be with anyone the rest of my life. So wow. you got your answer. I got there my answer. Go. That was your answer. So, so yeah. he did tell me, that's the only conversation we had about anything. He told me, he didn't tell me about his prayer. He mm-hmm. told me, you're it mm-hmm. for the rest of my life. I said, you can't, Aww. that's ridiculous. I'm I'm not available. Said, it doesn't married. matter. I, do I just that. want you, I'm not asking you to do anything. I just want you to know how I feel. Wow. So that was it. We left yeah. it at that. But we got in the car to leave and go our separate ways. Him back to Knoxville, me back to Memphis. And I burst into the most hysterical tears. And I'm not normally a really emotional, hysterical. Mm. I was bereft. I could not stop crying. I wouldn't have been able to tell you why. I just bawled. And (laughs) we stayed up all night talking, so I'm also exhausted. And I keep telling myself (laughs) as I'm driving, I've got to get some caffeine. Mm. But I couldn't stop because I was bawling. Mm. So I'd drive and drive and drive. And finally, about 60 miles outside, outside Nashville, like, this is ridiculous. I have got to get some caffeine. Mm-hmm. So I pull into this convenience store, and I sit outside the store for a minute, fix my face, get control of myself. And I just said, Lord, show me who I am. I don't understand. I did not say, show me what to do. I didn't think I could do anything. Mm-hmm. I don't know what. I can't even tell you what I was consciously thinking. I just said, show me who I am because I don't understand I don't understand this. But also at this point, she had told me, point blank, I'm not getting a divorce. I can't leave my husband. Yes, and I wasn't asking I, her to. I didn't feel like the problem was between my husband and I. Hmm. I still was so clueless. Wow. Um, so anyway, I walk into the convenience store and run smack dab into a table that's like right <laughs> in front of the door. And it is loaded with pecans. And there's all different kinds. There's like six or seven different varieties of you know, sugared pecans, roasted pecans, etc. Mm-hmm. And the brand name is Mascot, which is the name of our tiny town. <laughs> and I stood there wow. in front of that table and I looked at the pecans and I felt the incredible, most incredible sense of peace. Mm. And I said, okay. And the rest of the drive to Memphis, I realized, I, I, Realized I would be getting divorced, mm-hmm. that my marriage had been over for a very long time. And I thought about how my children would be. Three of them were adults. One was 14. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I just, like, I guess contemplated. I don't, as I get to Memphis and I texted Rick because I was 
waiting for my daughter to come out. I went to pick her up, and I didn't. I knew I'd cry if I talked to him. So I texted him. I said, "I have cried and prayed the entire way across the state, and I, I know you're it for mm. me. So this is your one chance to run the other direction, because I don't know if I have the courage to do what I need to do." And he said, "I'm not going anywhere." Mm. I long story short, I I tell my husband. There was something else that happened. The next two weeks, I told God, my my, I was going to wait two weeks to tell my husband uh, because our anniversary was in two weeks. Huh. Okay. And I felt bad. Happy anniversary. I know, right? Sign these, please. I know, I know. So I told Rick, I'm I'm going to wait two weeks until uh, after our anniversary. And I, I told God, I said, this is what I'm going to do. I need you to show me if it's not what you want me to do. Mm. Be real obvious. If you tell me no, I will walk away. Mm. So um, within that two-week period, I was sitting in my car waiting for my daughter to come out of her voice lesson. And I am one who saves all my texts. I use it as a filing system. (laughs) (laughs) Remind me what I'm supposed to do, what I said to somebody, blah, blah. I'm going through my phone, deleting old text to clear up some room on my phone, and I come across a text that I received from a Memphis pastor, not my pastor, mm-hmm. but a uh, pastor who was had been very instrumental during my faith journey. Okay, the one that married us, Ricky Floyd, uh-huh. oh. of Fraser. Yes. You know Ricky. He yep. is a he prophesies. Yep. And I initially, the first time he did it, I had no i was like what why did you say that to me (laughs) said god told me like okay this had happened several times so i knew that god spoke to him to Mm -hmm. others through him Mm -hmm. the night before rick messaged me back on facebook ricky floyd had texted me Mm -hmm. hey i'm in atlanta at a conference but god told me to stop and tell you that he is going to increase your patience, decrease your frustration, and give you the deepest desires of your heart. Mm-hmm. He does not want your natural eyes to blind you to what he's doing in the supernatural. Wow. Walk in fit, walk by faith, not by sight. Mm-hmm. Now, for that period of time after I'd made my decision and told God, show me no if you want me not to do this i had been saying this this whole thing makes no sense for who i am i had Hmm. said it to myself over and over and over and he said uh the text said he doesn't want your natural eyes to be blinded to what he's doing in the supernatural that will make no sense and i looked at that text and i said (laughs) okay thank you that is why ricky floyd married us even though he's not my pastor i called him up i said I'm going to be marrying my eighth grade crush in East Tennessee, and I need you there to marry me. <laughs> so mark it in your calendars. It'll be sometime in 2022 because we wanted my daughter to get out of high school in, in her high school in Memphis. Okay. He's like, uh, okay. I said, I'll tell you the story later. <laughs> anyway, long story short, the morning after I told my husband, and I told my husband the entire story, I said, I've inadvertently opened a door that I just cannot close mm-hmm. because um, – I just am not going to be on my deathbed knowing what I walked away from. Mm. Um, the joy that I feel That's when bold. I'm with Rick, That's even if bold, we're just though. sitting around. It's yeah. extremely bold. I mean, a lot of people would be like, I cannot mess up everything that, even yeah. though it wasn't right. what it was supposed to be. A right. It was still marriage. a marriage. Right. And right. I have always believed that marriage is forever. Yeah. And I believe that too. Yeah. But uh, my ex-husband agreed, mm-hmm. and he 
he knew that it was the right thing to do. It's a very weird. It was hmm. in and uh, it kind of like him giving you his blessings. Absolutely, one hundred percent. Next time I came to Memphis, we sat down and had breakfast together. And, wow. Yeah, I had to give him two horses and a cow and some <laughs> stuff. And, and, uh, Rick and Rick did but have, I to, gave have the to pay for the pancake. There you go. Okay. There you go. It was. A, it's a very, and we are still very amicable. Um, yeah. It's it, when our daughter graduated from high school um, last year. We all went to dinner together. Mm-hmm. My wow. son, all my four kids. That's my rare. That's rare Rick, in itself. Rick, yeah. yeah. No, Bob's a good We're, guy. He is a good guy. He is. And, and we just, on that one issue, which is a values-based issue, mm-hmm. we were so far apart. I needed a partner who, um, I guess, would be like my dad. Mm-hmm. And he needed he needed what he grew up with, mm-hmm. which finish, was enabling. But the, the interesting uh, thing is... The um, thing God told you now. Yeah, my son is great now he is okay. in a much better place i love it and has not treated me disrespectfully from the moment i told him that, wow that i wanted a relationship with him but it would be up to him mm-hmm. and that he would no longer treat me in that way okay um but so the morning after i told my ex-husband and he agreed and we began figuring out how to do this thing mm-hmm. that we never thought we'd do right. in my prayer time I realized that in our very first conversation just a few weeks before, when Rick and I had been catching up on our 46 years apart, <laughs> he told me that he had been a contractor since the mm. early 90s, mm. and that in 2008, there was a day he lost his mind, mm-hmm. and I'll let, he gets to talk. Yeah. Well, I we might need to check the time, because I've got a doctor's appointment, okay. so I don't, but I won't go into too he much told detail, you I, I, other than... I did tell her, 2008 contractor, I started up building decks, then the sunrooms and stuff. Mm-hmm. Business was good. Mm-hmm. There again. Yep. I was heavily into the church and religion and everything, and God was taking care of me where I didn't even realize it, okay? Okay. And probably my complacency. Okay. But uh, everybody's losing their jobs. I had had contracts. People would sign a contract with me. Mm. And I might not get to the job for a year. Wow. And they'd give me five to ten thousand dollars and I'd have that money. To hold their place. Hold their place. Place. And wow. I was getting more than more than that from some people. Because wow. there's some good sized jobs. But remember the market crash in two thousand eight. The market the housing crash, crash. people's like, I've lost my job or I've lost my four oh one K or mm. so much was happening. Yeah. People started saying, We can't do the job. Well, on my contracts, it's pretty much you sign this contract. I don't have to give your money back. This hmm. is to hold my place to get, you know. Yes. But I was not raised that way. And it was just, I started returning money. Okay. So anyway, wow. return money and I have no new jobs coming in. And all of a sudden, I have no money at all. Wow. And I've got a daughter going to college. I've hmm. got house payments. I've got, I have nothing. And I lost my mind, and I went into First Tennessee Bank with an unloaded BB gun Hmm. and robbed a bank. Wow. Never been in trouble in my life. Never anything, you know. And I I did a lot of work for law enforcement. Okay. FBI agents. I I mean, state troopers up and down East Tennessee. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, they actually... I robbed the bank, just couldn't wait. I was like, oh, my gosh, I wished I had never walked in that door. Mm. And was I so so ashamed, I just couldn't wait to get out. Wow. And which led to a lot of blunders on my part. (laughs) So I'm not a very good bank robber, okay? Okay. But it makes for a very 
good story when you're in prison. Right. Because all the other convicts <laughs> just laugh at you. <laughs> I'm not a bank robber. But so I served time. But during this time, and I'm just going to make it quick, mm-hmm. I saw the difference in privilege, white privilege, mm-hmm. economic privilege. And I was treated in different ways wow. than a lot of other people. Mm. And I was allowed to stay out for a few months to finish up some jobs with no bond. Wow. And they're again privileged and stuff. And I'm thankful for them letting me do that. I got to see my daughter graduate from college. Okay. But when I went away and I was went to federal prison, they sent me out to Texas. And I'd spent some time in Osceola, Georgia, which is a holding facility and it was not a good place. Okay. But uh I was in with people that were Doing 20 years for marijuana use. Hmm. Hmm. Wow. And for other things. It was just ridiculous. And I was a bank robber. And I was not only, I won't say convicted. There was something that hit me. It's like, this is wrong, okay? Hmm. Mm-hmm. And it changed my way. Now, I was raised in the military. Okay. Race has never been a part of my life. No. My dad came out of Nashville and couldn't wait to get away because race was not a part of his life. So he wasn't bigoted. Never. But. I lived on the West Coast. I lived When you're in the Navy, when you're a brat in the military, mm-hmm. you're with everyone. You're equal because oh, yeah. we're low, especially in Newport, Rhode Island. Yeah. Uh, we're the rich but, and the poor. Yeah. But we're when poor. you but when you live in an area that is not very diverse, you just don't see examples yeah. of. So when we moved to mascot racism. in eighth grade, so, it was pretty much all white. You mm. just don't see. I it. lived in an yeah. all white neighborhood in the Halls area in Knoxville. That was so. Anyway, right. race never bothered me. Okay. So I went through prison. I was fine with it. I prison not saying showed, fine with it. Showed me the difference gotcha. more so than I'd ever seen. Wow. Okay. So. When I get out, and I I was sentenced 42 months, I did 31 months for a bank robbery conviction, which other people are carrying 20 years for marijuana. It just hurt me. I wanted things to change. And like I said, I got out November 2011. Okay. I immediately went right back into contract and i had people wait three years for me wow to do work i didn't have to go find a job mm-hmm. i didn't have to check a box yeah i was able to rent as soon as i was done with the halfway house or my parents place for a few months mm-hmm. i was rented a place just like that a condo i told Wow. And I, I didn't have to check anything. Yeah. So you he's know? telling me this in the first conversation we had, that he had a, it, it, prison had turned out actually to be kind of a, it changed a my blessing life. in his life because it opened his eyes to wow. problems in criminal world. justice. Yeah. And this had gone right over my head <laughs> until after my husband and I realized we were going to be divorcing. And in my prayer time, it was as if God said, so six months ago, Remember you asked me you for asked a contractor. <laughs> With whom you have chemistry, who would care about the issue of reentry? Wow! Look at and that. I called Rick up and said, "How do you feel about doing a TV show?" And I told him the whole story, and he said, "Let's just walk through doors as they open." No, wow. I don't. I, I'm so, not into the TV. These reality shows where these, you know, the fix-up houses and mm-hmm. stuff. I hate them <laughs> <laughs> because I don't think they're done really showing the real thing. Okay, but. We're doing that kind of a thing mm-hmm. to also show people coming out of prison and what they did. Mm. 
So I don't mind doing this. Yeah. It's a little different. Yeah, okay. so we're uh, working You're with You're highlighting the, like the people that right. it's not just about the house, it's also right. about Correct. the people. We're not we're not doing houses to make money. Right. I think Basically, the reason God money. designed this is a <laughs> I think the reason God designed it as a flip show is that that's a very popular genre. There you go. So that will attract a viewer who wouldn't watch a documentary about criminal justice reform True. or the problems, the hurdles True. of reentry. Okay. And this little that girl, attract, I this, you're going. and I'm going to explain this little girl is Fallon, my little sweetheart. Oh, she yeah, was we, the flower girl. She was our flower girl. girl my Facebook. daughter's teacher. And she worked at a daycare center for a while to where she actually had, through a government program or something, she'd get kids in when they were like, four to five months old, mm-hmm. keep them in a classroom for three years and get them ready for pre-K. Wow. And this little girl came in, <laughs> a <laughs> little storm, okay. you know. You fell in love and with her. I fell in love with her. Wow. So and, she uh, is nine since now. Since then, there's another, another little one, of uh, my little, <laughs> our ring Jabari. bearer, Jabari. Okay. <laughs> and uh, they're like my grandkids. I go. don't have any grandkids yet. Okay. By blood. By blood. But these are my but grandkids. Are. And uh, yeah, they. I want to change things because I want things to be able. Better for them. Better for them. Yeah. I got you. I hear yeah. you. So anyway, we uh, we now are partnered with Lifeline to Success, which is a reentry program. They were given a house that they did not have money to renovate. They wanted want to make it a transition house. And okay. so we said, well, we'll. We'll renovate it for you, and we're working with probably a over over the whole course of the show. We'll be working with about a dozen returning citizens. Okay. Rick's teaching them about construction, okay. and we're telling their stories. So the show is really um, about the problems of our criminal justice system and why restorative justice mm. helps us all. Yes, uh, because. We are either going to help people get back on their feet and get to productivity, or they're going to break into our house. So from a yeah. practical standpoint, there you go. It it's good sense. for everybody. But it also is really just about the fact that everybody is redeemed, and we all deserve a second chance. Yeah. So we're, uh, we're hard at work on the house right now. Okay. And we should be debuting the show next autumn. Ooh, yeah. I can't wait. I can't. Okay. Wait. I'm going to be watching it. I do watch the. I do watch the home renovation shows. Oh. Um, <laughs> we'll give you some actual tips I, that you can use without having a million dollars. Well, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not a DIY girl when it comes to <laughs> yeah. fixing up a house. Yeah. I am a DIY when it comes to decorating a house. Okay. Good. So One that's the, that's why I watch them because yeah. I want to see what it looks like after. Yeah. Like, Ooh. Yeah. Well, that's I'm a, a good curb. idea to put that in the corner. Okay. Yeah, I'm a curb picker, so we're going to okay. also incorporate, which fits the theme of the show, uh, restoring furniture that's yes. been thrown away. <laughs> just you. like we should I restore people just, who have been thrown away, who oh. were tempted to throw away. This is, um, this so is it's, beautiful. It's about rebuilding yeah. lives and restoring hope. Wow. That's what Flip My Life is about. But we yeah. can't take any credit. We are not the executive producers. The big guy is. No. So there you go. Well, he go. obviously he he did it in his own way, in his own timing. Was, he put all of it's y'all amazing in to us. each and everything, so and that he, you would each know yep. that this is where you're supposed to be That's and what right. you're supposed to be doing. I and he it. gave me the guy I always wanted. Hmm. And he gave me the woman I always wanted and needed, there you even go. when I didn't realize it. And y'all are such a cute couple. I I'm still just gonna put that out there. Like it's just, I love, I love watching y'all walk in together because it's, oh, you could you. just, you can feel the love. You yeah. can definitely feel the love. We're friends. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was funny the other day we were up in Knoxville and we ate with her 
brother and sister, two brothers and sister. Mm-hmm. And we're coming out of this little shop, and we had to walk across this little street. <laughs> mm-hmm. We we love to hold hands. Okay. And uh, we're holding hands, walking. We had to stop. These cars were coming. All of a sudden, this one car stopped. No, go away. Go, you know, go by. Go by. Go by. <laughs> so we walked across the street. He pulled up and stopped and said, my wife said you were the cutest couple. And I'm thinking, okay, I remember when all these, we see these little old couples. Right, like, wait a minute. Walk, are, are we each other are you telling me? But she was like, he would not, she would not allow me to drive until you walked across the street. Aww. She thought you were so cute. So, <laughs> and that makes me sick to even tell that story. But you are cute. You no, are very cute together. So, I love the you old so couple. much for having us. <laughs> well, let me ask TV you. Let me ask website. you this. So, yes. what um, what can our listeners do to help support? What, well, what do we you do need? have a GoFundMe. We're very bad at promoting it. Okay. Um, uh, we are we are applying for grants. Okay, they're a bit difficult to get for a new nonprofit. Mm-hmm. So we are. We definitely need help with funding. Um, If anyone out there has a connection with Lowe's or Home Depot, Mm -hmm. we could certainly use some supplies. Also, if anybody has a friend that loves to donate, you know, I mean, we're we're already taking in our our own money. Okay. And if that's what it takes, that's fine. Mm Mm-hmm. But if someone's you know wants a tax write-off or whatever and says, hey, I've got this amount that you all can use. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, we would appreciate it. Okay. We'd love to have you come on the show and show you what we're doing. Okay. Right. We have a GoFundMe, um, which is on our website, flipmylifetv.com. Okay. And uh, we're going to have some volunteer days. Okay. So folks have volunteered to help paint. Okay. Uh, there's a great organization called Center for Employment Opportunities, which which does job training for returning citizens. And they are providing us some free labor, which okay. will be awesome. So we're going to also tell those guys Yay. stories. So it's we know God will uh, make it happen. Yeah. Um, if anyone has a connection, we'd love to be on a streaming service. We right now are just going to put it on the web. Okay. But we want to continue to do this uh, past okay. season one. There but you, you know go. what? God, we're going with God's plan, just as Rick yeah. said. Well, let's just walk through a door and. Yeah. If it so opens, it we'll us. take another I mean, step. God's plan's gotten you this far. That's right. So, yeah. He's, he's, he's turned out to be met, a pretty good I've executive met some producer. Amazing people in Memphis that I never thought I'd ever be down in Memphis. There you go. Tell you the truth. <laughs> I, I mean, really. So yeah. uh, it is. It's amazing. Okay. All right. Thank well, you. Well, thank you. Thank y'all for coming on. Thank Thanks y'all for Travis. telling us your story. It's an amazing <laughs> Sorry, it's story. So long. I got I got chills in and out. I was like, oh, that's, it's so sweet though. It's Hello. and it's amazing how God works. Isn't and it, it doesn't crazy. It, there's how he no reaches. time limit on it. I know. Like there's no okay, we gotta get this done in the next five years or else they'll never see each other again. Yeah. Like he waited forty six years yep. for y'all to reconnect, right. but he gave you the lives he gave you so that when you did reconnect you were ready to do his will. That's right. And it's a beautiful thing. That's right. Isn't I that absolutely crazy? love it. You can yes. reach directly down into your life if you just invite him in. Yes. It's a special thing. Yeah. It's amazing. See, if she had just turned her head whenever she'd walk away from the pool and go back to her house, <laughs> if she'd turn her head and see how I was watching her. her. <laughs> but then we wouldn't we be would've. here. But yes. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows what would have been then? We but appreciate this, y'all you. are exactly where you're Thank supposed you. to be. And we appre- I appreciate y'all. I appreciate everything that you're doing, especially for the city of Memphis. Well, like you. this, um, this is something that's needed. The stories yeah. need to be told. The um, opportunities need to be had. So absolutely. I thank y'all for listening to him speak to you and then taking the next steps and doing what he's asked of you. 
I'm sure he's a little irritated we were so hard-headed, but you I know. Mean, you know. <laughs> he made us. I, I keep mean, telling him, you're you the, know, it's your fault. All, you designed all me. All dads understand their kids are never going to be perfect. <laughs> and that, <laughs> that we have to get through the hard-headed part of it. So I think he understands. <laughs> so thank you. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Very much. you. Um, and to our listeners, thank you for taking the time to listen as we use our voices for the good of others. If you would like more information about Flip My Life, please go to www.flipmylifetv.com. If you'd like to reach out to me or you have someone you'd like to speak up for, you can find me on Instagram at 30 underscore one underscore eight. The 30 and one are spelled out. Or you can visit me on my website at www.31-8.com. Again, the 31 is spelled out. I hope you feel heard today and we will be back very soon speaking up for the voiceless.